Well, we're uh, continuing our, our study in the year in the Word, and to open it, search it, trust it, uh, and then apply it. Um, I can only help you on Sundays, but you have to do this on a, on a regular basis. But we're really focusing on the Word, and remember, our next year, we're, everything's about our vision and mission, and so we want to uh, grow in, in the Word of God, and then our next thing is to engage our community the lost community and the community of fellowship that we have here. And then we want to serve, and hopefully when we do that, we will live uh, for God's glory. So this year we're focusing in on the Word. Um, I was asked early on uh, when we started the church, and we're in our 10th year, which, just to give you a heads up, uh, the 23rd, that weekend, 23rd, 24th, that will be our 10-year reunion, and we're going to have a lot of... Uh, a lot of stuff going on. You'll be hearing more and more about that in about mid-March to let you know, to celebrate 10 years of existence. And uh, it's been a great 10 years. We have seen uh, 187 people come to know Christ, and we have baptized 100 and, about 103, somewhere in that area when I back, back and looked. And, you know, somebody asked me at the very beginning who had visited, um, said, uh, I notice you never give an invitation. And, uh, you know, there used to be in the past that people gave invitations at church. And, uh, and people would come and give their, give their life to the Lord. There was something that people would draw up here, and we've noticed over the years that that's kind of gone away. People don't want to come up front. And so all those salvation and all those baptisms happen. Now, I know, and I can tell you this, we've given four invitations where we asked people to come up front, and nobody came. And so that's when I went, well, the Lord wants us to live our lives in such a way that evangelism doesn't happen because of a night of evangelism or to go fellowship, but it happens through your everyday lives. You with me? You just got to know how to do it. So today is one of those days that um, I, I want to talk to you about salvation. So if you're a guest here, it just seems to be right where 1 John is landing, and I want to talk to you about your salvation and what you need to do with it, and whether or not you truly know Christ. There are those in the crowd that could be here, and you're just kind of here because somebody invited you, and you don't like this whole church religion thing. Good. I don't either. I don't like the whole church religion thing. I like the body of Christ. Uh, I, don't, I don't care much for, for religion. I, I care for my love relationship with the Lord. Now, when I was speaking, when I would speak, I, I spoke for about 10 years, just camps. I'd do 8 to 10 camps a summer. and I mean, I was every weekend I was gone speaking somewhere. And students are different. So if you're a student, I'm not making fun of you. But it's in that age that we, uh, some of us never get out of that age, but most of us go through this rebellion thing. You know what I mean? And sometimes I would say, well, let's all bow our head. And students would look at me, and I knew what they were doing. They were going, you can't make me bow my head. So I thought, okay, you don't want to be at camp. You probably did something bad, and your mom and dad thought you need to go to camp. <laughs> so now I got that to wrestle with. Uh, I've had some people uh, walk past me, uh, a, a retreat I did uh, back in January. Uh, uh, I had uh, four kids in there, and I saw them staring at me the whole time, and they would just stare. They weren't turning their Bibles. They weren't engaged. They were just staring. They wouldn't follow me left or right. They were just staring. One of them would look down the whole time, and then I found out. I said, hey, there's some kids that are really staring at me. I asked the youth, and he goes, oh, yeah. He said, we got, we got four. They, they tell us. We're not listening to the message. We come to this retreat every year because it's fun. I said, okay, well, that's good to know. Uh, and then uh, the worst thing that ever happened to me is uh, I had a student one time, and they don't think I can see them. I don't know. But even if you're speaking to eight or 900 students, you see everything, you know? You see which one's falling asleep. Just like, y'all, I see. I see you nodding. I can see that if you're going, he can't see me. I can. Uh, so uh, I had one, 
one student put his hand on his chest, and he gave me the finger the whole time I was doing the message. So then I thought, well, thank you so much. That's, uh, that's, I know how I'm going to reach you. But by Thursday, that student came to know Christ. Because I approached him, and I said, hey, th- I did. I saw him sitting on a picnic table. I said, hey, thanks for the finger. I appreciate that. I said, can I ask you something? You don't even know me. And we just had this deep conversation. He was mad because something happened at church, and somebody treated his dad bad, and it's just, you know. But I want to know, are you a Christian? A lot of people claim to be Christians. And so that's where the message is going to today, that are you a Christian? And what's this? You go, well, this is for me, so I'll shut down. Don't shut down, because if you are a believer, then you should never doubt again. I've been dealing with this for three weeks, and y'all have heard me. So today, he's talking about salvation. He's talking about the promise that we have. And let's remind us why he's writing this, okay? First of all, he's writing First John because he wants, to, he wants to be joyful with them. He says, I want to have joy with you, and I enjoy those moments of joy with you. He wants to encourage them not to sin. He's sitting there going, guys, don't sin. Remember, it has to all do with the Gnosticism that's in there. And remember, I keep repeating because we always have new people, but the Gnosticism in there, which maybe y'all can answer it now. The Gnosticism believed that all flesh was what? Evil. And all spirit was what? Was good. So there's no way that Christ, okay, coming from God, a spirit could enter into flesh like Jesus did. And so people started leaving the church. And he's saying, and then other people stayed at the church, but they said, so that means I can pretty much do what I want in my body. You know anybody, you know anybody like that? I can mess it up because it's evil anyway. It's going to die, you know? Let's just move on, get out of this spiritual stuff. But he wrote them. He said, I'm going to encourage you don't sin. And then he wants them to be on guard. He said, be careful of those people that are telling you a lie. They're telling you this is untrue. All right? And then he, he goes on to do this. He wants them to know that their confession will assure them of eternal life. He says, these are the four things that went through the scripture in 1 John that he says, I have written, I have written, I have written, I have written. And it gives us an, a detail of what's going on. And so uh, we get to this point that, that that's how we know what he is writing. And he wants them to be on guard. That's where he, he's talking today. I, I want you to be on guard because you're hearing a lie. And remember last week we learned this, all right? Just recap. Uh, he said, listen, I don't want you to walk in darkness. So remember we talked about some of us tripping to darkness, and some of us just go, hey, darkness, let's go, right? We run into sin, right? Uh, it's easier. And uh, then he said, I, I want you uh, to have a desire uh, to understand that there's a desire of sin that lures you into darkness. That's what he talked about last week. And then he said, I want you to know that the world order is darkness. The world order that he talks about when he says cosmos in the Greek is this world order of uh, that uh, well, you'll see it in just a few minutes when I show you this video. The world order and how it started was with Adam and Eve. And then he's explaining this. He said, the world order has an expiration date. So there is a time that this world will end, right? And so uh, this week, uh, we will learn this, that eternal life has no expiration date. And that's where most Christians struggle. That's where most new believers struggle. Now, let me help you understand something. When I got saved, when I came to know Christ... How they handled me was, was wonderful as a 14-year-old. Because the minute I came to Christ, they engaged my life. And they started teaching me how to study the Bible. They started teaching me, okay, here's what a quiet time is. Just for you to spend some time with the Lord. I really, I, I, I got it right. There are some people, that one of the hardest things about evangelism is when you travel and you're speaking to a bunch of kids and get saved, is that I have no control what happens after that. 
And so I'd tell those youth pastors and those pastors and say, you are accountable to God to help them grow in their relationship with Christ. It's not on me. It's on you. You're their pastor. You're the youth pastor. You need to help them grow, understand what a spiritual life is. And I believe this. Many people, probably many in this room, never had that. You came to know Christ, and after that, that was it. Right? Man, I was so desperate for something that God was the most important thing. He became the most important thing to my life. To the point that I pretty much left my family because they just, they didn't want it. And over time, I kept on witnessing. And my mother came to know Christ, and I know I was here in heaven. And my brother came to know Christ, and my other brother came to know Christ. But my two sisters uh, have not. But I said, listen, my relationship with Jesus is more important than anything in my life. It's more important. My wife knows this. It's more important than her. I cannot know how to be a good dad and be a good father and to be a good husband without Christ in my heart. And so I love my wife dearly, but I love my Lord and Savior so much more than I could ever love my wife. And I could not love my wife the way he wanted me to love him. You need to know that. Men, that's, all, that's, all you, that's how you ought to be. If your wife is your life, oh my goodness. Husbands, uh, uh, wives, if your husband is your life, you are in deep trouble. Your life is centered around Christ. And that's the way mine was. I want it to be centered. Now, there's two words I want you to look at, and then we'll read. It says this. Uh, it's this word, uh, uh, plano. It means to cause to wonder. Remember what wonder means? Wonder, W-A-N-D-E-R. We talked about that before. Uh, it, it really means uh, that to cause somebody to wonder, to cause somebody to be deceived, to cause somebody. That's what that Greek word means. And so when we see it, you'll see the word deceived. That means it caused them to wonder. Some of you have been caused to wonder by other people. All right? And then the next one is what we talked about, charisma, not charisma. Remember? This charisma means it's anointing. It's an unction. And anytime you see this Greek word, this word really means, charisma, it means, it, it means that the Holy Spirit is in you. That's the unction. The Holy Spirit is in us. Whenever they use this word, which is very, not very often, it's really discussing this understanding that it's the Holy Spirit. Very clear. All right? So let's read 1 John uh, 2, and we're going to read 25 through 39. And let's stand together in honor to God and his wonderful, wonderful word. And I'd love for you to uh, open your Bible, whether it's on, a, on an iPad or a phone and, uh, or your paper. Uh, uh, read it with me, okay? Well, not with me. I'll read it. You can read along. That would be weird. All right. Uh, chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 25. Ready? This is the promise which he himself has himself made to us, eternal life. Very clear right there. I want you to understand he's writing, he says, this is the promise. Boom. What's the promise? Eternal life. Beyond that, that's the promise that we as believers have. It says, these things I have written, remember? These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. That word deceive is the word plano, which means what? It means to cause you to wonder. I'm writing to you about those people that cause you to wonder. And there are people that probably cause you to wonder about your relationship with Christ that cause you not to wonder, O-E-O-N-D-E-R, that's an excitement, but to wonder like you don't have a place because of what they say. They cause you to question whether the Bible is really true. They cause you to question whether you think going to church really matters. And many of us have people in our lives. As for you, the anointing, the unction, that's that word, uh, the, the charisma, not the charisma, charisma, anointing which you receive from him abides in you. 
Anybody remember what the word body is in the Greek? Mino. Minnow. Sounds like a minnow. It's like a minnow. You abide. You stay on the hook to catch people for Christ. You abide in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing, the unction teaches you, the Holy Spirit teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you abide in him. You stay with God. You remain with him. You hang out with him. He's all you have. Now, little children, abide in him. I think he's trying to make a point. Look how many times he says it. Abide in him. Stay with him. Remain in him. Why? So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink down uh, from him in shame at his coming. So that one day when he appears to you, even though it will be like that, that in this human form, what he was saying, that you would go, oh, Lord, I've been so, oh, I can't believe it. I've been a terrible person. But instead it should be, man, I have been a terrible person, but you died for me on the cross. I'll not shriek down. I've done my best to abide in you, to remain in you, to live the way that you want me to live. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. That's what he's talking about. Look, I got an amen from the kid, too. Now, little children, abide in him so that you, when he appears, you will not shriek, shriek away of him in shame of his command, coming. And if you know that, he is righteous. Well, you know that everyone also who practice righteousness is born of him. Maybe seated, and I pray that the Lord will bless the reading of his word. So uh, there's, these, uh, there's these songs that are out. Uh, you know, it's, it's country songs. How many, of you, how many of you like country music? Okay. How many of you can't stand country music? Okay, good. Well, this is a country song. Probably, those who don't like country music, probably because it's too real. You know? I mean, it's amazing. I'm telling you, it really is. It's kind of like, let's uh, talk about my drinking, my dog, my wife, my... You know what I'm saying? It is. It's kind of like, oh, good Lord. Uh, all, all the country songs are, have, have a story. Uh, there's one that uh, was written by two guys, and it was made famous by uh, uh, two artists, which were uh, uh, Kenny Chesney and... Uh, what's the other one? Uh, uh, the Troubadour. He, he did The Troubadour. Uh, anyway... Uh, George Strait. Thank you so much. See, you are a true George Strait, right? So uh, it's this. It's this one. It says, everybody want to go to heaven. That's the name of it. You say, oh, Pat, you left, the, uh, you left the S off. No, that's how they do it. Everybody want to go to heaven. And here, here's the, the word. Everybody, wanna, everybody wants to go to heaven. Have a mention high above the clouds. Everybody want to go to heaven, but nobody want to go now. <laughs> that's true. Nobody wants to go to heaven now. And I love that, that, that country song, Nobody Want to Go Now. And uh, what he talks about in 1 John that I want to leave you with today is this understanding that God has promised us eternal life. And that's what I want to make sure. Are you ready? Sure, we don't want to go now. There, there are times as a believer, I mean, I probably did it this week, where I just loved being where I was in the moment, whether it's with grandchildren, or with my family, or just with some friends. And I go, oh, Lord, don't take me now. Do you ever do that? And then I go, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. You can take me now because I'm not supposed to love this world as much as I love you. So you can take me whenever you want to. But your will be done. So I'm good with that. But if you wouldn't mind, I've got like nine more holes of golf to play. <laughs> right? And I'm doing well. And so I don't want to go. And then there are times when I'm with my family. But see, God wants us to enjoy this life. But he wants to know that you're ready to go. There's a great video that just came out by the gospel uh, a project, and I want us to watch that. It gives you a quick overview of this thing that Adam and Eve began uh, in this world order and how it started. 
go ahead and turn off the lights and run that wonderful bean footage. How's that? All right? Simple way of helping us understand where this gospel comes from and how it came about. And there are two things. This is why I want you to listen very closely. Now take your Bibles and turn uh, to, to uh, Romans chapter 3. Okay? Because for those of you who go, oh, I'm saved, I know I'm saved, I never doubt it. Then you need to learn how to tell it. We have become, when I say we, the church as a whole, not just us, but the church, we have become stagnant in telling other people about Jesus. Are you all with me? We fear it. We, 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 we think, oh, no, what about rejection? So there are two people that are in this room. There's those of you that I asked last week that if you were to die today, remember, which I love those two questions, if you were to die today, would you spend eternity in, in heaven or in hell? And I told you to think about that, remember? Then if you said, well, I go to heaven, or you said, I think I go to heaven, or I, I feel like I go to heaven, then I'd say, you're in trouble. You're not sure. So that's just some of you that are still in this room, you struggle with it, right? And you know, your greatest struggle is your age. You may go, man, I'm 40-something, I'm 50-something years old, I've been going to church for 20 years, I'm not going to, people think I'm dumb. Well, I, I'm so glad that Mr. James, who died two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, I'm so glad that at 94 he dropped his pride and he said, you know, I don't know Jesus. I'm 94 years old. So I'm talking to you. It doesn't affect me because I'm going to heaven, but I sure would love to see you there. So that's what this is for for the next few minutes. For those of you who know Christ, then uh, this is just one way to share the gospel. This is how I share the gospel when I talk to people. Ready? So Romans uh, 3.23, everybody turn there. And uh, it, it says, and I'm going to turn there with you. Let me, let me get there. Um, because when I talk to somebody about Jesus, and I've showed you this before, but it's so important. When I've talked to you about Jesus, uh, uh, about sharing Jesus, I've, I've shared this with you. But Romans 3.23 uh, says this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So you're talking to somebody and you say, well, I don't know if you know, uh, do, you, have you, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Don't ask them if they're a Christian because everybody's a Christian. 97% of America's a Christian. Don't say that. That's a giveaway. That's easy. That's an easy way out. Tell me about your relationship with Jesus. What do you mean? First yellow flag. What do you mean? I would not even say that. If I, I know Jesus, I'm not going to say what do you mean. I, and then I would begin to tell you, well, I've been go, if they say I've been going to church a long time. Well, good for you. I didn't ask you about your church going. I said, tell me about your relationship with Jesus. So those of you in the room, if you can't tell me about your relationship with Jesus, I, want, I, want you, I would show you this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then I'd ask you what that means. So in your mind, tell me what that means. In your mind, what does it mean? And what it means is this. No matter what you said, I'll tell you the truth of what it means. It means that we're all going to fail. We're all sinners. We're all like Adam and Eve. And it means this. It means that we fall short of God's glory. And I always describe it as though in the movies when you see somebody reaching out. Now listen, some of you don't know this. And you're reaching out to grab, they're reaching out to grab somebody to save them from falling. And they just can't quite reach them. And uh, they fall and they, they hit their death. That's that picture. You can't quite reach God. We can't get to his glory, to his presence. Now take your Bibles and turn to Romans 6.23. Okay? Oops. Uh, oh, yeah, there it is. Thank you, man. 
Thank you. Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23 says this. Let's read it together. Thank you for turning those pages. Uh, it says this. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's what John said. It's the free gift of life. So for the wages of sin is death. And what I want you guys to know is that because we're all sinners, I always ask people, what's a wage? It's a payment. It means I'm going to go, if you ask me to go take care of your dog, and you'll give me 20 bucks, and I'm going to go take care of your dog, and I get a wage, I get a payment. So our wage is death. Death means total separation from God forever. Now, everybody listen to this. Death means total separation from God forever. That means if you don't understand this and you leave this place and you don't know Christ or you wonder if you know Christ, but you walk out guessing, there's a good chance that you'll be separated from God forever if you should go. Now turn to Romans 5.8. Right? It's all a Roman. They call this the Roman road. 5.8. I love but. But. You see that? We all have sinned. Romans 5.8 says this. But. And that's good news. I always tell people that's the greatest but in all the Bible. Right there. Because it gave us hope. Right? But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So if you're talking to somebody, there it is. Right? Some of you know this for years, but you've never shared it with anybody. And I'm timing myself, and I'm now on three and a half minutes. Listen to this. Romans, uh, then take, and you turn to Romans 10.13. Everybody turn to Romans 10.13. So now we know that Christ died for us. See, what do we do about that? Watch this. Uh, go to verse 8, uh, chapter 10, verse 8. But what does it say? What does Scripture say? Listen close. The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. In other words, God's put this word in you, which is a word of faith. Even the faith to ask Christ to save you came from God. He put this in you. Watch this. And it says, well, what is it? That if we confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from hell. Saved from total separation. For with the heart, watch this, with the heart, a person believes, uh, resulting in righteousness. Watch this. Now, here's the part we don't do very well. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. There has to be a moment that you said it, that you confess. So when people say, what does it take to get to heaven? I try not to use word like accept Christ or ask Christ to come into your heart. I simply say, do you, have you ever confessed and believed in your heart and, and believed these things. Jesus Christ was the Son of God, came and died on the earth for our, our sin. They buried him, and three days he arose. And if they say, no, I've never done that, then I simply say, do you want to do that now? See, there are some of you in the room, that's my question. Do you want to do that now? You've been going to church a whole lot. Now, for those of you who are visiting, uh, this is something I, I do... Not all the Sunday. You know, I've had people go, boy, I tell you, every Sunday our pastor preaches the gospel and we're all saved. I go, okay, so I remember that. So that's not me. But I want you to know, today, God ordained, I believe, that we are going through 1 John. And the very first verse that we read, chapter 25, says, here's what I need you to remember. It says that you can have eternal life. And it says, once you have eternal life, you abide in him. You remain in him. You don't leave him. 
You love him. And you decide whether you want to have him in your life. Watch this. It's, it's like as I was reading earlier, somebody, first God calls us, come follow me. And then he gives us a deeper command. He says, now remain in me. The call was the easy part for some of you that you gave your life to Christ. That's the call. Yeah, okay, now you're my disciple. But the hard thing is abiding. And some of you, you've been called, but you haven't abided. He's not the number one in your life. He's not the God that you know can save you from anything. That in a moment, if you should get cancer, if you should go through a divorce, God is going to help you through it. He's going to see you through it. Why? Because you are abiding in him. And your strength to overcome anything is because you remain in him. You abide in him. He stuck you on the hook as a mino, abide. And he says, I'm going to put you in this world and you're to attract other people to remain and abide. Stay on the hook even when it's hard. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. And there are some of us that leave the faith because we aren't in the faith. Or there are some of us in the room, you took the call to be a disciple, but you didn't abide. And abiding is hard work, isn't it? Yeah, abiding means you can't say the stuff to people that you want to say. You can't use your personality as an excuse. Well, that's just the way I am. It's not the way you are. It's now the way you should be. Right? Because you were called and now you're abiding. And he said, you have eternal life, but then now I want you to live righteous. I want you to be righteous. So in, f- in less than five minutes, I shared the gospel with you. And here's what I want to do. This is how uh, I want to close this. Uh, it, it's not going to be this, this work thing. You know, one of the lines to the songs was this. Said the preacher, maybe you didn't see me, throw an extra 20 in the plate. There's one for everything I did last night and one to get me through the day. I like that. Uh, here's a 10 to help you remember next time you got the good Lord's ear. I like that. It's like I have this. No, I don't have that. Uh, I have his ear, but uh, so do you. It says, say, I'm coming, but there ain't no hurry. I'm having fun down here. And that's where some of you are. Man, I'm, I'm having fun down here. Listen. It says this. I want to read this to you in the New Living Translation. You ready? Everybody look. This is, in the New Living Translation, what we just read in the New American Standard, it just flows. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life he promised us. And I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. See, the, the devil right now, and I believe in the devil, Satan, our adversary wants to lead you astray from not accepting Christ today. Are you hearing me? If you, if you didn't hear me, well then, you, you are being led astray. So I'll say it again. If you're not listening then our adversary is trying to lead you astray from the truth. Look, it says, uh, but you have received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you. Why? So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what he teaches us is true. It's not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ, so that when he returns... You will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. So, you ready? I I ask people to do this, and I always tell you to bow your head and close your eyes. You can be the teenager that says, don't tell me what to do, which I've had that. 
Or you can say, you know, I want to get the distractions out. That's the only reason we ask to do that. That you bow your head and you close your eyes. You just make that, it's just you. And all I want you to, I'm going to ask you a simple question. Has there been a moment in your life where you have truly confessed Jesus as Lord? There's no other God but him. He sent his son to die for us. And you asked him. You asked him to save you. You confessed that Jesus Christ was the son of God. Now, if you, if you haven't, then I would say, do you want to do that now? And some of you are going, now some of you who are remaining in Christ, I know what you're doing now. You're praying for those who are thinking about it. Good. So if you want to do that, all you have to do is pray it. So I'm going to be quiet just for a second. You say, well, how do I pray it? Just confess it. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Confess that he died on a cross. Rose again. Confess it. The best way you know how. Now, everybody look right here. If you sit there with all your heart and for the first time with all seriousness, you confessed Christ to your heart and asked him to save you, tell him you want to go to heaven, you want to be with him. If that's you, welcome. You don't have to doubt it anymore. I'm going to tell you something. There will be many services like this where people will talk and give an opportunity and you will feel like you don't know him and he doesn't know you. But remember, don't go by what you feel. Go by what you what? Know. So I'm going to ask you, do you know that this was the day of your salvation? Do you know that years ago, whenever it was, that that was the day of your salvation? Then what John said is true. You are assured of eternal life. But you're not assured of going through this life and everything being great. Because it's McNasty out there. Isn't it? Between family and jobs and cancer and divorce and relationship issues. It's like, what? But now you heard the call. And the call was to come to be his disciple. He's used as a disciple. But I want you today, for some in the room that you haven't done this, that you do it today along with those new believers that may be in the room. That you, you take the call, but now you make a decision. I'm going to remain. I'm going to live the way you want me to. That's when churches do amazing things. So everybody do this for me. I've never done this in the history of the church. There is a little orange thing, piece of paper right in front of you. Everybody grab one. Everybody, everybody, everybody grab one. Those of you on the back, grab one on the back of the chairs. Yeah, I want everybody to grab one. Right? We're all going to do this so that we all feel comfortable. Because the reason invitations don't work is because people don't want to come up front. Honestly, they don't. Even teenagers, they don't come up front much anymore. We send them to the back. It makes them feel better. So all I want you to do is to take that orange piece of paper, and there's some questions on there, and I want you to mark the one. And I really do want you to put your name. Now, if you want to receive something and you're a new believer in Christ, you need to be baptized. Now, those of you who have known Christ and want to be baptized, ready? I'm going to be honest with you. You're not being baptized because 
your grandmother would be upset that you left the faith. It's time for you to remain in Christ and to grow up. And I'm going to be honest with you. Your grandmother has nothing to do with your faith in Christ. And you need to be baptized. I believe baptism holds people back because he says, I want you to be baptized. By immersion. Well, I was sprinkled. Okay, you were sprinkled into the church. The church doesn't save you. I want you to understand that. The Bible is very clear. We baptize, go completely under. And we're going to have baptism. And if you've never been baptized, then you can write that down there. But if you want me to send you a little book that will help you, it's called, a, it's called the Purple Book. It's a great little book that everybody's had in the room who's been here. But if you think, I need something to get me to understand who this God is, then I want to send that to you. And all I would ask you to do is go and put your name and put your address, and I'll send it to you. Notice I didn't put your email. I didn't put the phone. I'm not going to bother you. I'll just send it to you. I'll leave you alone. I'll be just, leave me alone. I love Jesus. Okay, go. But remain. All right? So for those of you who've been Christians a long time, I'm asking you, you heard the call, but are you running to the call to remain? And for those of you who know Jesus Christ, it says at one point that you have to what? Confess it with your what? That means come to me and say, Pat, I, I did that, and then I'll help you walk. Or if you know somebody in this room, go up to them and say, listen, watch this, this is funny. Somebody walks up to you and says, I just want you to know, I know you've been going to this church a long time, and I just confessed Christ there. Some of you are going to go, well, what do I do? Well, come see me. Or just teach them how to read the Bible. And where do you go first to learn about Jesus? What do you study? First John, right? How to, lo- how to live. And wh- to learn about Jesus, you read John to f- learn how to live like Jesus wants you to live. First John. And to know about the history, Romans, and what? Hebrews. Guys, I'm telling you, some of you in the room, don't be ashamed no matter what your age, if you've accepted Jesus Christ. For those of you who have been baptized, do that. Now, these orange things, when you leave, we're all going to be holding them so you won't be standing out, right? And we're all going to drop them in that box right in the corner, all right? And I'm going to look over them. And uh, uh, you can write down anything you want for me to say, I have this question, I want to talk to you, and do that, all right?